Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read one of my favorite passages. I told um, our staff, some of our team this morning, I feel like I share this at least like once a month. It feels that way to me. I'm sure it's not entirely true, but it really is a life passage if there is such a thing. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 has just spoken to me so many years of my life, and I just love, um, seems like the Lord just won't let me leave it. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today and, and talk about peace and prayer and thanksgiving and just see what happens. Ready? Let's read Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Throw it up on the screen. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We'll read it one more time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Anybody else love that scripture? Yeah, let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that your anointing is here, that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, continue to move. Do as only you can do. Touch every heart, every mind, and I just pray you speak as only you can speak. Your word goes forth. It does not return void. So Lord, we're at best just planting or watering seed, but you're the one who makes it grow. So I just thank you for the spirit of growth in this place today, that every single person would leave here better. They would leave here stronger and healthier today, simply having heard your word. So we give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I got to take a drink of water. So how many of you loved PE and recess and that was your favorite subject? Come on, this is, this is the crowd. Last service, they're like, oh my gosh, you need to study in school. I'm like, no, school's about PE, people. PE and recess. No, you seriously do, and I got to work on that because we have kids now. But for me personally, if you asked me when I, if, when I was a kid, if you asked me if I liked school, I'd be like, yes, I love recess. I'd be like, no, Josh, do you like school? I'd be like, yeah, because there's PE and recess. I love school. That really was a lot of my perspective. Absolutely loved going to the gym. I even loved more going outside. Anybody remember kickball? Come on. Kickball got nuts. But I just love PE and recess. But there's this one activity. You can't really call it a sport. There's this one activity that just is near and dear to my heart and was my favorite as an elementary kid. It was known as capture the flag. Anybody? Show of hands. Capture the flag. Maybe at your school, steal the bacon. Huh? If you don't know this, I just feel sorry for you. Seriously, you're missing out on life. But this game, it, it kind of goes like this. There's two teams, and you would have colors, and they would put on flags like you play flag football in. There's a belt with flags that you clip. At least that's how we played it. So let's just say for today, there's a red team and a blue team. So if I'm on the blue team, I have one guy who acts like a goalie, and he stands around the base with a flag that would either be around his his waist that they had to take off, or it would be like on this stand that they had to come and grab the flag. Might be a bandana, hat, whatever you choose. But he's like the goalie protecting his area. And my job, because I never wanted to be that one, (laughs) was to run like crazy 
and dodge everybody and try to avoid them from grabbing my flag to go get the flag from the base. Everybody understand? So you have one person on each team guarding this base in this area, and everybody else is just running around like crazy, just absolutely nuts. Like I said, I never wanted to volunteer to be this one person who just stood there, but I also didn't seem to have much respect for that person either when someone would get the flag. I would just lose it. I'm like, dude, you have one job. You stand there the whole time, and all you got to do is stop somebody from getting the flag. You have one job. I'm dodging like 40 people trying to get to the other end. You have one job. And you can't do one job? I just thought, you know, this is like the perfect illustration or parallel that sometimes in life, the scripture we read, it feels like that, like, like we're just guarding everything, like, like in guarding our hearts and our minds, like Philippians 4, 6. It's like life is just coming at us like crazy, right? Maybe you're younger and you're in school and you're like, I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life what I'm going to study. You know, I have people that are always, you know, I have friends, but then I have people who are always judging me and this and that. And then you grow up, you're like, I got to decide who I'm going to marry, what job I'm going to take. Then it just keeps going and going. You may have kids and then bills are piling up. There's just pressure, right? Life has pressure. My parents used to always say, life's not fair, but God is good. With, with life, in life, comes pressure. The things are coming at us from all these angles and, and one of the pressures we can feel is to guard our hearts and our minds. We could read a scripture like that. And we're just like, okay, head on a swivel. Like, I, it's coming at me from every angle. But can I just tell you something today? It's not your peace, it's his. It's the peace of God which guards your heart and your mind. And it comes through Jesus. So it comes through your relationship with Jesus. So you can just take off some of the pressure some of the heaviness right there and be like, okay, God's got me. If I just keep living for him, I just keep pressing in and growing in my relationship with him, then it's his peace that is going to guard me. Can I just tell you that this morning? God's peace is the only thing that will guard your heart and your mind. You can't do it. You can't do it in your strength. Somebody else can't do it for you, even if you try or they try. God's peace as we read in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, is the only thing that will guard your heart and mind. So how many of you say, if I ask you the question, how many of you want that peace? How many of you want the peace of God that comes through Jesus? The good news is you're in the right place. You're in the right place this morning because I believe this scripture is a perfect equation. I've shared it before, but I truly believe that. I believe that about all scripture, that if you read it, if you take God at his word, you can apply his scripture like a principle and like an equation, and so many times you can get the result in the scripture, like it says, the result here is peace. So that's what we're going after today, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Has anybody else ever tried to find it on their own? <laughs> tried to find it outside of God? I definitely have, and I'll just tell you, in case you haven't, don't do it. <laughs> it doesn't work. There's so many things. Just think about how many celebrities, how many multimillionaires or billionaires or whatever else. I think of Robin Williams, who's one of the funniest people to ever live, and he commits suicide. Like, like there's so many things the world offers, and I'm not against money, success, fame, any of that, as long as it's, you're grounded in God. But when you try all these other things to fulfill a God-shaped void, it will never work, and you'll never be happy, and you'll never have peace. It's the only way, trust me, 
It's God's way. Don't try it outside of God. I believe this. I want to share this with you. I believe this is really true. I believe the grace of God empowers us to have peace in a moment, but the truth of God empowers us to live a life of peace. Look, it's God's grace and it's his goodness, his mercy, his sovereignty. Within his sovereignty, he's so gracious. He moves upon us and it's like he pours out peace in certain situations or circumstances. Has anybody ever had that? Where you're like, I shouldn't even have peace? Like that crazy, funky peace I talk about? Like I moved my senior year of high school. I had the decision. Was, the decision was ultimately left up to me. Josh, do you want to move from Austin to Dallas? Your senior year of high school, playing basketball, being recruited to play college basketball, playing for a good team, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I got in a little bit of trouble. My parents were, were working with me and talking to me, and they, they put this decision in my hand. I prayed for the first time having to hear God and what I heard and felt was supernatural peace to move. It didn't make sense. All my friends are here. The setup is here. This is perfect. I could move and go to this other school, not know what kind of friends I'm going to make, what the team's going to be like, all this stuff. But I prayed in supernatural peace. It was the grace of God that endowed, that poured this out, that empowered me to have peace in a moment. And I don't ever want to take away from that. God does it all the time. Like many of you raise your hand. He's done it for you many, many times, and he will continue to do it. But I believe the ultimate peace God wants you to have is lifetime peace, where it doesn't have to come and go. It, it doesn't mean he doesn't supernaturally pour out, but it doesn't ebb and flow. It doesn't come and go. It's just this constant, steady peace, like Jesus when he's on the boat and the disciples are freaking out because a storm is happening. What's Jesus doing? Leaping. It doesn't make sense. But it was like he had committed and he'd figured some things out, which we're going to talk about today. Grace of God empowers us to have peace in a moment, but the truth of God empowers us to live a life of peace. That's what you can have this morning. Yeah, I remember a little over four years ago, uh, before we had our, our firstborn, Dallas. My wife's pregnant. We'd moved to Midland a year or so uh, before been working a lot, helping build the church, and uh, we're from DFW, different places, and we just thought, you know, let's get away, let's go somewhere um, different. We have family in Austin. I used to live in Austin. We're like, you know, that'd be fun to take a trip to Austin, just a nice little getaway uh, for a couple days, month or so. I don't remember, maybe a couple months before we were to, to have our first boy. And so we had some friends, really cool. We had some friends within the church that had a condo in Austin, and they, they just offered it up. They knew we were looking to do something like, hey, I have a condo. Just go there. Just hang out. Just go kick back and relax. You guys don't need to pay us anything. I'm like, sweet, free. And so we pack everything up. We're like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. Get the key from her. Get all this stuff and head on down to Austin. So when we're pulling up, the condo is just a couple miles from downtown. We're pulling into downtown Austin I just have this thought pop in my head. And the thought goes something like this. I grabbed the key from my friend. I hung it up on our key ring or hook inside the kitchen, and I never got it. I drove all the way. I'm like looking in the car, and I'm like, I know I left it. I'm literally pulling into downtown Austin only two miles away from the condo to realize I don't have the flipping key. And my wife's pregnant. 
that might be worse. I'm like, this just went from zero to bad really fast. I'm like, this is crazy. What are we going to do? So, of course, I'm ticked off. I'm upset. She's pregnant, so she has no choice but to have a wild range of emotions taking place. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. She didn't. The grace of God just covered her in that moment, and I rejected it all. Just kidding. But it, it was just crazy, right? We drove all this way. I mean, it was like, what, five hours or more from here to get all the way down there and leave the key. But I think this is exactly what we do sometimes when it comes to the peace of God or even the scripture. How many of you said, like, just, just pray about it. Just give it to God. Like, we say that all the time, right? And, and there's an element of truth in there. Just give it to God. He'll take care of it. Just give it to God. But we, we read the scripture like Philippians 4, 6. Hey, don't be anxious. Just pray about it and you'll have peace. But when you look at it that way, you're actually leaving the key. There is one key in this scripture, which happens to be the name of a holiday we're in right now. And it's called with thanksgiving. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Trying to have peace by just praying doesn't work. It's like leaving the key. Look, if peace is like the house that you're trying to get into, thanksgiving is the key you need to get in. Can I just say this? So many times I think people wrestle they wrestle like with their prayer life and, and just processing that. And I, I've definitely been there before. But I, I think the truth is, I think what, I'm just going to say it, okay? Don't feel shame. What most people call prayer is actually just complaining. Yeah, that one didn't, didn't feel too good, did it? Look, I've been guilty of it too. But I think this is why this scripture is so powerful for us to understand. But let, me, let me backtrack and say this for a moment. There is, no, there is no clear, perfect definition for prayer. And one of the main reasons, probably the absolute number one main reason people struggle having a prayer life is because they try to put it in a box. And you can't put God in a box. You can't like open the Bible and be like, what exactly is prayer? Give me the word that I can look up in Greek or Hebrew and tell me what does it mean to pray. Jesus said, hey, disciples, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. And he gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that's great. He's given us a model, but just think right off the bat, the very first two words he says are our Father. He's saying, hey, your prayer life is about a relationship with the Father. So you better know you're a son and daughter. Every good and perfect gift comes from above from the Father. You know, Jesus always modeled this. He always went away to spend time with the Father to get what he needed for people. He always went away. That, that's what prayer is. But, but, and you can think about it. There's so many stories. I shared several of these in first service. But, but I think, think about Jesus and when he fed the, the 5,000, this famous story, where, which is funny if you look at it in context. Right before this, John the Baptist is beheaded. And then Jesus goes off to spend some time with the Father, but people hear where Jesus is, 
And this mob of people follows him. This mob of people surround him and come to him and the disciples are there and Jesus is gracious and Jesus loves people so it says he just begins healing them all. Which we could just stop right there and preach a message. You know, people all the time are like, Jesus didn't heal them all. There's no scripture for that. Jesus healed every, every single person he prayed for was healed. He just didn't pray for every single person who ever lived. Every person he came in contact with and prayed for was healed. There's no scripture that says otherwise. So he does that and he's healing them and, and miracles are happening and he's doing what he does. And then, it, then the, the day goes on and it's dinner time. So the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we don't have any food. Um, we should probably send the people away. They need to hit up Waterburger, in and out something. We don't have enough food for all these people. And what does Jesus tell them? Hey, yeah, just give them what you have. What? We have like five loaves and two fish. There's thousands of people, Jesus. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not a mathematician. I know you're Jesus. There's a lot of people, not much food. Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, just give them what you have. And then what does he do? He models he models what to do to bring multiplication. He takes the bread and he holds it to heaven to focus on his father and everything he's been given with the heart of gra- gratitude and thanksgiving. He breaks it, gives thanks, and it multiplies. Look, you can't have anxiety and thankfulness at the same time. They can't coexist. You can't be living confused or anxious, but also living a life of gratitude and thanksgiving. They can't coexist. One drowns out the other. So I want to encourage you this morning, choose thanksgiving. Choose thankfulness, no matter where you're at. That's one of the reasons I shared that story, because I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to come across insensitive to know. I know many people, even within this church or our community, that have experienced tragedy. I know life happens. And we go through hard things and we lose loved ones. Jesus just lost a loved one. And he gave thanks and God multiplied and blessed people. No matter where you're at, you can tap into this. I think, you know, even in terms of prayer, that's where I was several years ago. And I think I I, I go in and out with this journey, if I'm just being honest, where I have to remind myself. But I've processed. Like, if I were to ask you, how many of you have ever struggled feeling this deep, burning passion to pray? Be honest. Because it's so many people. Or even just struggled, what exactly is prayer? And, you know, is prayer just kneeling by, by my bedside and holding my hands together? I, I went on this journey several years ago and was just, was intentionally thinking about prayer because God spoke to me. He said, if you don't pray, things won't happen. Like, okay, that was very direct, Lord. <laughs> and I guess I will do something now. And so I, I just sent me on this journey and, and he told me one of the number one things was I'm just trying to put it in a box. He's like, look, you'll always struggle with prayer if you try to define prayer with this rigid religious structure. Well, I got to pray the Lord's Prayer. That's what Jesus did. He gave us a good model. You think that Jesus went up to the mountainside and said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done. He might have done it a couple times. No, he had a deep, intimate relationship with his father. That would be really weird if every time I went to spend time with my dad, I just looked at him and said, our father. Like, whose? I don't know. Who art in heaven? Hello, be your name. Come on. He's inviting us. The model, he modeled it this way to invite us into a relationship with our Father. So is this what prayer is? And then Paul takes it and he says, hey, 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 you want to know how you live free from anxiety and worry and doubt and confusion and all this? Your prayers and petitions must have thanksgiving attached to them. And when you carry this attitude of gratitude and this heart of thanksgiving to your Father, things multiply. I wonder if the breakthrough you've been praying for in your life hasn't happened just because you haven't attached thanksgiving to it. Look, this is life. We live in this tension. I was talking to someone between services, and they're like, man, I'm just so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And they shared like one of the desires they had and this and that and I was just thinking yeah isn't that the tension we live in like I was my wife and I talked we're like man we've been so blessed to have a a house we have we have a new house and we love our house and we're like you know what we want even more room or like a bigger yard for our boys and our family you're always living in like next right but uh, trust me I've said this before and I have to remind myself of this all the time it's just as wrong to live in the future as it is the past Because what happens if we live so focused on what's coming, we might lose sight of what we already have. It's a tension and it's hard. It's a hard tension to live in. But God wants us to be able to live in tension knowing he's a rewarder and he wants to give us new things and good things and better things. And he wants to bless us and pour out his favor. But he also wants us to be thankful and content. Think about Paul. Paul was in prison multiple times. This is a guy who wrote Philippians and many other books and two-thirds of the New Testament. He was in prison multiple times. And the prisons, theologians and scholars would tell you, the prisons in those days were like dungeons underneath the city where the sewage went. And that sometimes the places they were in prison, they had sewage waist high. That's how they lived, not where they stayed sometimes. In shackles with sewage waist high And you can write books about learning to be content in all things at all times and not being anxious. How many of you would want to get out of there? Yeah, I think Paul did too. But he realized something and God began to do something in his heart that no matter where he was at, what he was experiencing, whatever the enemy or life could throw at him, he could always have faith in Jesus and know he has a Savior that can pull him out and redeem everything the enemy does and turn it for good At any time, he always has something to be thankful for. Always. You know, I I, I love to just even start my prayers off like that now. Where there are so many times, it could be the littlest things. Um, It could be the biggest things or the littlest things. But there's times I'll be driving in my car and it's like someone will swerve and then almost hit me. And it's just become like a byproduct where I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. And I, I know... I'm not like, thank you, Jesus. But it's like I'm literally just saying it over and over and over because it's become like ingrained in my mind. Every 
good and perfect gift comes from above. You know, everything good in life comes from the Creator who is good. So when anything good happens, just say, thank you, Jesus. You get a promotion at work. Thank you, Jesus. No matter what happens in life, this is the posture we're supposed to live with. And I think it's amazing when God shows up and supernatural peace is poured out and He'll never stop. I believe it. I believe He'll never stop in His sovereignty and goodness. He will just continue to pour out His grace and His peace in moments where you're like, I shouldn't have peace right now. But I want to encourage you, God wants you to have more than momentary peace. He wants you to live a life of peace. And it comes through this intimate relationship and communication, this prayer life with God where the foundation is gratitude and thanksgiving and thankfulness. You know, when you look up the word in Philippians 4, 6, for thanksgiving, it's this word eucharistia in Greek, which is where we get the word eucharist, which in Catholic tradition and different traditions is symbolic of communion, which is super interesting to me. You know, the reason that we do communion every single week is exactly this. We do it every single week where it's almost, there are times I'm like, oh my gosh, again? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we do it every week. But we made the decision and Pastor Braden even made, was the first one to, to, to initiate it and to challenge us to do it. And it's simply to put at the forefront of our mind and our heart the attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. It's so easy to look like, <laughs> I love preaching on, I love preaching on anything, but, but I, like I say all the time, I, I love all the signs, wonders, and miracles which we've seen even here today. God healed people in first service, He's healed people in second service, and all those, these things are amazing, and it's easy to chase after all these things and somehow lose sight of just the simple sacrifice and relationship we have because of that sacrifice of Jesus. That it's like, if nothing else, you know, I've said this before. I've talked to different friends that are like, man, if Jesus came back today, like, I, I don't know if I'd be good. Like, there's so many things I want to accomplish. And I'm like, I get that heart. But honestly, I would challenge you. You need to get to the place where if Jesus came back today, you'd be totally good. Just because you're so thankful for everything he's already done. And, and if you're not there and you're like, you know what? Well, maybe I need to make some decisions. Start today. <laughs> Don't wait. But you can get to the place where you're just like, I said this the other day. I'm like, you know what? If I never did, and trust me, I live like <clears throat> in the dream world. I have dreams all the time, but I drive my wife crazy with all the things God <laughs> are in my heart that I want to see happen and that could happen. And it's like, you know, we plant a church and renew life and get around Braden and we talk and we're like, oh my gosh. And we think of how many campuses there could be and how many things God can do. And we dream so big, but I'm telling you, if Jesus came back today, I'm good. I'm just so, so thankful for what he's done in my life. You know, I was just the punk, arrogant, insecure kid <laughs> that just chased the world and all these things to satisfy myself because basically I just love myself more than God. But at 26 years of age, I chose to lay it down. When I was tormented by the enemy, I was just like, Lord, I want everything you have. 
in the last nine years has just been the craziest roller coaster ride. And I'm just, if nothing else, I'm simply thankful that God redeemed my life. That everything that enemy meant for harm, God has used for good. And that I have a story and that I can tell people about Jesus. There is so much to be thankful for. But I wonder if in this season and even through this message and through this scripture, if we can just get in our hearts and minds the sacrifice of Jesus and what he's done, it's enough. You know, one of my favorite pastors, Southlake, his name's Robert Morris. They have about six campuses in Dallas-Fort Worth, one of the largest, fastest growing churches in America and the world. He's often asked about... <clears throat> you know, his passion and fire, and he has a TV show, and he preaches and teaches all the time, and he just has this burning passion to communicate and share the gospel and his story and his life, and when he's asked, like, how he maintains that fire and that passion, he says this phrase that I'll never forget. He says, I've never gotten over getting saved. Never gotten over (laughs) when Jesus met him, (laughs) and saved him. You know, I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, God knows. God knows exactly where your heart is. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows that even within tragedy and and torment and all these rough things and things the enemy does, we can find ways to be grateful because we have a personal, intimate relationship with our Creator, with our Father, and with Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.